The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com. These are the Writer Files, a tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers. From online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Cal Reed, writer, podcaster, and mediophile. And each week, we'll discover how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. Jonathan Gottschall is the author or editor of seven books, including The Storytelling Animal, a New York Times Editor's Choice selection and a finalist for the LA Times Book Prize. And most recently, he published a fascinating book titled The Professor in the Cage, Why Men Fight and Why We Like to Watch. As a distinguished fellow at the English Department of Washington and Jefferson College, his work lands at the intersection of science and art, and it's frequently covered in outlets like The New York Times, Scientific American, The New Yorker, The Atlantic, and NPR. For his latest book, he actually went into the world of mixed martial arts to research violence, masculinity, and why society is attracted to violent spectacle. Join us for this two-part interview. And if you missed the first half, you can find it on writerfiles.fm and in the show notes. In part two of the file, Jonathan and I discuss why creativity is not the hard part for writers, how great writing is like grasping a handful of water, why writers need to chase what scares them, how our memories fool us with stories, and a great reminder that writing is work, not magic. So I'd love to um, explore the, the topic of creativity with you. I feel like the storytelling animal delves quite a bit into some of the nuances of creativity, um, at least from that kind of intersection of literature and evolution. And the idea, yeah. the idea of homo fictus is fascinating to me. But uh, let's talk about your creativity. And um, maybe you could uh, give us your own definition of creativity. Well, you know, I, I actually don't think I have one, at least not a good one, you know, not, not, a, not one that would provide any sort of insight. And I think I, I have this sort of rebellious thought about this. And the, and the thought is that 
you know, creativity has sort of became become a, a buzzword. You know, it sells a lot of business books, and it's something that you know TED speakers are always talking about. But I think for writers, creativity is not the problem. I think creativity is the easy part. I think creativity is the fun part for me, at least. Uh, that's the part of the project that I enjoy the most when I'm coming up with the big idea and I'm spinning out all the implications and I'm wondering about how I'm going to take these big ideas and wrap them inside stories that are really going to grip people's attention and grip their, and, 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 you know, fire their enthusiasm. That's the easy fun part. The hard part is writing it. The hard part is <laughs> taking that creativity, that creative vision and actually executing it. Bringing it to fruition. Uh, creative part is fun. The, the the writing part, we actually have to sit down and write a book for two or five years. That part is the the, the tedious, difficult part. That's the part that most people. So I think what what is stopping most people as writers isn't the creativity. I think it's the sitting down in a chair for two to five years. Yeah. So when do you personally feel most creative? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, one, one, one trick I've found is, you know, sometimes I'll be, I'll be blocked up and I'll go for a run and, uh, you know, I won't even be thinking about my, the, my problems and there it will be, you know. So exercise uh, seems to do good things for me, seems to uh, get things percolating. But again, you know, my problem really isn't creativity. I, 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 and I feel like, I feel like it's probably not most writers' problems. I think if, if they think I think that's probably a misdiagnosis because really, you know, I have more good ideas for books in my head than I can write. There's just not enough years. Yeah. So when that shiny new thought pops into my head, more often than not, I kind of have to suppress it. Otherwise, I won't get the current project written. Or I, maybe I don't suppress it, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll speak it into my iPhone and, you know, put it aside uh, for, for a later time. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I keep thinking of, um, you know, when you're a writer, you, you face this phenomenon of people always, you know, you'll meet somebody at a, at a party or, or um, out and about and they'll say, you know, I've got an idea for a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why don't you write it? Well, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Everybody's got an idea for a yeah, book. Not everybody can write yeah, it. Exactly. I think, that part, I think that part actually is the easy part. <laughs> well, it sounds like exercise is your creative muse. And I've yeah, heard I guess a lot of writers yeah. say that too. So there's no other spirit, spiritual, supernatural um, <laughs> deities working over there for you? I wish. I wish I could <laughs> tap into the muse and she would just dictate, you know, beautiful sentences into my head, but uh, she won't do it. Jeez. So what do you think makes a writer truly great? Uh, I have no idea. I honestly don't. I, I haven't thought about that question enough. Every time I, I, I've tried to define that in my own head or in my own mind, it sort of felt like, you know, grasping for a handful of water. You know, I, as soon as you say, well, great writing is this, X, great writing is Y, uh, great writing is Z, you know, then you find exceptions, you find uh, counterexamples galore. And so, I don't know, it's, it's, to me it has something, it's probably something less about what's on the page and more about what the, the feelings and the ideas that are evoked uh, in the reader. But I don't think I can do a very good job of, of defining that, so I, so I think I will not try. I like it. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. 
Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. So do you have any um, personal favorite authors at the moment? Anybody you're uh, reading a lot of, more than average of? Definitely, yeah. I've been, th- well, you know, I wrote this really, uh, really manly book, you know, about uh, <laughs> age fighting and about, you know, the, the essence of masculinity. You know, what is it? Where does it come from? Why am I personally uh, held captive to this sort of barbaric and, I don't know, uh, ancient model of, of what, what a man should be? And so I've been reading a lot of really manly writers on my bookshelf, uh, or, you know, at the top of my bookshelf where I keep the things that I'm actually reading uh, right now. I see uh, there's Cormac McCarthy, there's crime writers like James Elroy and George Higgins, I got a lot of Bukowski up there, <laughs> some, uh, which I love. I had never read Bukowski until uh, this last year, and just loved it. Yeah, uh, Martin and Kingsley Amos, some Hemingway, some Jack London, some Mailer, some Hunter Thompson, uh, a lot of testosterone. Nice, nice. And you recently did a piece on Mailer, um, taking a few shots yeah. to the. Yeah, I loved writing that. Mailer was such a character. He was unbelievable. I mean, he was, uh, he was, he's just as a human being, he was more extreme and more fascinating, you know, than any of the characters that he wrote, I think. He was just really one of a kind. I'll have to link to that in the show notes, too. Can you share a best love quote? You, you have so many great quotes in your uh, writing. Do you have one that kind of sticks out? Write what scares you. I always like that one. I think, I think uh, that writers should strive to be brave. Um, probably you know, the, one, the, the one that Immediately leaps to mind, though, was, you know, it's, it's a story I could tell you about, about 20 years ago. I was in graduate school. You know, I was writing some paper, um, and I was struggling with it. And I happened to stumble across this quote from Ernest Hemingway. And in the quote, he claimed uh, something, like, something like this. I write 91 pages of shit. 
for every page of Masterpiece. <laughs> and I read that and I was like, wow, really? You know? And I felt very consoled by it. I felt much better about my own struggles because I figured if writing was hard even for you know, immortals like Hemingway, then uh, of course it, it ought to be hard for the likes of me. Well, let's do a couple fun ones. Do you have a favorite uh, literary character? I don't think so. Maybe Odysseus. I like Odysseus an awful lot. I also like these sort of, I was, I was thinking, I like these sort of comic, grotesque characters. Uh, Ignatius from Confederacy of Dunces. Uh, John Self from Martin Amos's Money. Uh, characters like that. Yeah. If you could choose one author, and I'm not, I don't want to limit you to one, but one yeah. author uh, from any era for an all-expense-paid dinner to anywhere, who do you think you would choose and where would you take them? Well, my, 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 my answer would probably vary according to what I'm working on and what I'm reading. But uh, right now I'm reading all these uh, testosterone-saturated books, so I'd probably like to have a dinner party with all those guys <laughs> that I mentioned before. Uh, that could be uh, quite interesting. It would be a real real uh, liquor-soaked affair and <laughs> probably some fisticuffs involved. And if yeah. I was just limited to one, God help me, I'd probably say Hemingway. Yeah, that's, that's so funny. I'm, I'm seeing that scene in my mind, but uh, <laughs> uh, it would certainly end in, in some yeah. bloodshed. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Bukowski tells a story, in fact, about uh, being at a... At a, at a out with Mailer and having Mailer giving him this, this, this death stare from across the room and coming very close to uh, having blows with uh, Norman Mailer. <laughs> well, that's interesting because you talk about eye contact quite a bit in your latest right. book, yeah. and uh, I found that to be fascinating. In fact, I won't get into the, to the section that I liked the most, but it was the, uh, the presidential debate yeah. um, <laughs> between... Obama and uh, Romney, and you talk yeah. at length about uh, how that almost decided uh, the fate of our nation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just this incredibly, uh, you know, primatological confrontation, you know, with, with, with this, all this sort of animal energy and, and uh, animal uh, nonverbal communication going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really a fascinating moment with these guys. Uh, really kind of had this sort of pantomime uh, fistfight uh, on national television. Yeah, it's weird. I never thought of it that way. But I, did you have to go back and like look at the uh, the video of it? Or yeah, I did go back and look at it just to confirm my 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 own memory of it. You know, sometimes you have a memory like like in this book, for instance. I wrote about this this moment where. This guy, Frank Muir, uh, gets knocked out by a punch. And I, I was at the fight. I saw it happen. And then someone called me on it and said, no, he got, he, got, he got kneed in the head, not punched in the head. And I went back and looked. And sure enough, this memory I had of Frank Muir getting punched in the face was totally fabricated. <laughs> and I had been at that fight. I saw the fight. It was amazing to me. So uh, there's a lesson in that, um, that our memories are really uh, – storytellers and uh, not all that trustworthy. And so, yeah, I did go back to that, that debate and watch it again and feel the anxiety 
uh, that I felt the first time watching it, that sense that, boy, this could really boil over into a physical confrontation <laughs> at any moment. Yeah, I like the idea of the Secret Service bench. So yeah, the bench clearing brawl. Clearing between. brawl. So do you have any um, writer's fetishes? Yeah, I do. Uh, I do have some old typewriters. Um, I feel like that, I don't know, somehow connects me to the heritage of the profession. There's one. I'm clicking it right now. <laughs> um, I have, uh, I also like, I, on my walls, I also have manuscript pages, like uh, reproductions of manuscript pages. So I have a page here from Nabokov, from uh, one of his uh, early Russian novels. And I have it up there. It's, you know, it's a handwritten manuscript. And I have it up there because it's just a mess. Um, it's chaos. Uh, it does not <laughs> look like it was written by a genius. It looks like it was written by a guy who, for whom writing was really hard. You know, he's going through. He's making all sorts of corrections. He's wiping out whole paragraphs. He's writing in the margins. Um, it's, again, sort of with, like with the Hemingway quote. It's a reminder to myself when things are going badly that uh, I'm not alone in this. So this is sort of the nature of the profession, uh, that writing is a, a difficult thing, uh, not just for schmucks like me, but for the best people in the business. Ah, yes. So who or what would you say has been your greatest teacher? It would have, you know, I, I don't think I really learned anything in school. You know, I, I never learned anything in, in middle school or, or high school. Uh, I was always a uh, horrible student. I was completely indifferent to, to my education. Even in college, you know, I didn't learn very much until I started learning things on my own. So I think the, the autodidact learns uh, the most and learns the best. And so, you know, my, my greatest instructor and sort of the most precious source of information in my life has always been uh, the work of other writers, these, these books that I have arrayed across my shelves. And, you know, so I feel a sense of tremendous fellowship with these people and a, a sense of tremendous gratitude uh, to them for going through all of the suffering um, and all of the hard work it takes to produce every one of these books. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, one of the, the early guests on the show was Sarah Stadola, who wrote a book um, titled Process, and she's got a section on autodidacts as hmm. well, which I found um, encouraging. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fascinating, for sure. Um, so can you offer any advice to fellow scribes on how to keep the ink flowing and the cursor moving? I think it's good to remind yourself that it's work and it's not magic. You know, that there's not some, I don't know, magical, inspirational moment that you're chasing where everything will sort of instantly clarify and genius will just pour onto the page. I think that most people produce... They're writing by, you know, uh, putting their ass in the chair and keeping their ass in the chair until by some process, you know, you flounder around for a few, a few years and at the end of it, somehow by a miracle, you have, you have a book. So, yeah, I don't, I, I really have a sort of puritanical <laughs> work ethic, you know, uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't know how to do it except just to, to work really hard at it, you know, to work really hard at it, to work relentlessly at it. And I found that uh, most days, you know, I don't produce anything of great value. But after, you know, a few years of work, it's, it tends to add up to something that I can 
if not be proud of, at least not be ashamed of. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking time. Um, I wanted to ask you, oh, do you have a favorite fight movie? <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. That's really hard. There's the, <laughs> there's the uh, you know, Napoleon Dynamite has a great uh, fight aspect to it. It has a karate teacher in it called Rex Kwando, a great satire. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Jean-Claude Van Damme movies I loved. Those were movies that helped, you know, sort of get me through my uh, boyhood. And I love Fight Club, man. I yeah. think Fight Club is a hell of a movie and a hell of a book. And I think it's really wrestling with big questions about the nature of men. And I think that Polnick and the, and the I think it was David Fincher was the director of that movie. Yeah, I think they really uh, got things right about the sort of uh, role that, violence plays in, in, in men's lives. And, um, and also, I really, one of the things I liked about it, and it was very true to my own experience, was that the violence in Fight Club was affectionate. Um, that there's, the violence isn't always about hating someone and wanting to do them harm. It's in, in Fight Club, it's a way for men to bond. And I found that's very much the case uh, in the gyms that I entered. You, you fight, you try to hurt each other, but it's always done in this weird spirit of respect and mutual admiration and even affection. These fights tend to end with the two men uh, hugging each other, maybe kissing each <laughs> other's cheeks and whispering endearments into each other's ears. And the yeah. men fall in love a, a little bit in the process of these fights. And I think that's one of the things that uh, Fight Club uh, hit on the head. Absolutely. Well, The Professor in the Cage is a fascinating read. It's it's incredibly compelling, uh, a lot of fun. Why men fight and why we like to watch. And our guest, Jonathan, got in the cage, uh, actually, to uh, come up with this really amazing piece of work. So uh, when is your next cage match? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm retired. I have thought about getting back into it. Uh, in, the, in the aftermath of my project, I was I, I thought about it quite a lot. You know, what, should I should I do this again? But you know, I was I was forty by the time the project was over, and so uh, I am done. Uh, I am retired as a cage fighter. Um, I will con confine all of my uh, fighting in the future to rhetoric, <laughs> to academia. And you actually touched on academia, <laughs> kind of comparing it to a cage match unto itself. Oh yeah, it is. Well, where can uh, fellow riders connect with you out there? Uh, you know, I told you earlier on that I'm sort of a basement troll, so I have pretty, pretty limited ability to uh, contact the outside world, you know, limited social skills. Uh, so I have the requisite Twitter account, um, and you can also find me at Jonathan, JonathanGottschall.com. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, and uh, really looking forward to your fiction, as it uh, were. So uh, give me a call when you um, want to chat. Be great. And again, these are, I, I love this podcast because I'm actually fascinated. I think many, many writers are fascinated about how other writers go about their work. And so uh, these are exactly the sorts of questions that I always want to ask other writers. And so I can't wait to uh, get into your back catalog and start subscribing to, to, to this podcast. Well, thank you very much. I'm honored. Jonathan Gottschall, uh, best of luck to you. And we'll talk to you hopefully again uh, on the podcast. Okay. Bye-bye, Kelton. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for joining me for the second half of this tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, do me a favor and subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers find us. For more episodes, 
or to leave us a comment or a question, just drop by writerfiles.fm. And if you're looking for another excellent podcast, check out Editor-in-Chief. That's Stephanie Flaxman's Art of Writing, updated for marketing in the digital age. That's over at editorinchief.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.